your blood runs orange and blue. Orange and blue. blue. This, this is the pod, is the for, you. pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. The Knicks dominate worldwide and trouble down I-95. This is EJ Stewart, Tommy Beer. This is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast in Odyssey. WFAN original. A lot to get to on this episode. So we'll be talking about uh, some Knicks stars playing really well overseas. We have RJ Barrett. We have Jalen Brunson, both playing for their respective national teams. Both had absolutely monster games this weekend. We'll talk about exactly what they did and if it's a precursor, maybe to what we'll be seeing from them during their NBA season with the Knicks. Also, more trouble in Philadelphia. <laughs> As you saw, James Harden requested to trade. Sixers said, we'll try to trade him. Then last week they said, ah, actually, you know, we're going to keep him here. And it doesn't sound like he's too happy about that. So we'll give you delays on his comments and whether or not it could impact Joel Embiid, who, of course, has been linked to the Knicks all throughout this offseason. And finally, NBA schedule comes out later this week. We'll have a second podcast where we'll really be able to talk about the full schedule that comes out on Thursday. We record this on Wednesday. But we are getting some, some nuggets, some pieces of the schedule for the Knicks, some important dates that we'll get you guys on. Knicks are playing on Christmas Day. We'll tell you guys about that. Knicks also have their in-season tournament schedule unveiled for the group play. So we'll talk about that as well. So plenty to get to on this episode of Orange Blue Bloods. All those topics and more coming at you right now. Like I said, it's EJ Stewart, Tommy Beer, joined me as always. Tommy, how you feeling? What's going on, man? I'm feeling better than Sixers fans. Let's say that. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling better than the, the city of brotherly love. Um, we know that the NBA, uh, you know, delivers constant drama, and uh, there is a situation unfolding in Philly. Um, we'll keep an eye on. But first, let's chat about um, Americans abroad, um, specifically orange and blue, uh, jerseyed Americans put in some work in FIBA. Let's do it. So, again, this is Orange Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast and Odyssey WFAN original. You can get this wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Be sure to hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time you drop. Also, make sure you give us a, a review on the podcast as well if you, if you would like to do that. Give us five stars if you're enjoying the show. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube as well. You can find the full episodes of the podcast and um, snippets from the show on the WFAN channel is where you'll find that stuff. So the Knicks stars looking sharp in the international tune-up stage of their ramp-up to the FIBA World Cup uh, that happens later this month. Jalen Brunson pitched a perfect game in Team USA's win over Spain on Sunday. Team USA still undefeated during this exhibition run. Here, Jalen Brunson, nine for nine from the field in his uh, twenty-one point effort in the win over team uh, over uh, Spain for Team USA. Meanwhile, RJ Barrett. Now we talked about the American. Now we got the Canadian side. RJ Barrett, uh, a monster game as well over the weekend in their uh, Canada's overtime win over Germany. He had thirty-one points in this one. He had thirteen for fourteen shooting in this one. Eleven of Canada's 17 points in the victory, uh, bucket to send the game to overtime, bucket to put Canada ahead, a dominant performance from R.J. Barrett. Uh, Josh Hart, by the way, also finally getting some action after he was sitting out for a while as they tried to negotiate his contract. He was getting wrestled. He also made his team USA debut as well. But Barrett and, and Brunson really 
uh, really shown themselves in a really imp- impressive way so far in this international stage. Tommy, how impressive have you been with Barrett and Brunson so far? Hard not to be impressed, DJ. Um, you talked about it on Sunday. Uh, they scored a com- in respect of Team Canada and Team USA wins. They scored a combined 53 points on 22 of 23 shooting. Um, yeah. You're not you're not going to get much better than that. Um, again, exhibition. We're not going to put too much stock into it. Um, surrounded by other great other great players. Um, you know, so we're not going to go crazy. We're not going to say, you know, this is, uh, automatically means that an MVP season is in, incoming. Um, but certainly, uh, uh, you know, uh, encouraging, it's good to see RJ, um, playing with another uh, all NBA talent in Shea Gildred Alexander kind of established himself as a, at least yeah. for one game, um, the best player on the floor by a wide margin. Um, and also with Brunson, I think in addition to the, um, offensive efficiency, which we, you know, we know that he can do, we've spent the, the better part of the last, um, you know, 12 months or so watching that up close and personal, um, during the regular season, then even more so in the postseason. um, it's it's encouraging to see how Kerr and all his teammates really seem to lean on him and kind of point out him as the leader. Um, again, as we've talked about time and again, so much of the greatness of Jalen Brunson um, is his production on the court. But there's a, a slice there um, that goes into his overall value. That's his leadership and confidence and uh, just kind of the way he um, leads the, the, the troops on the court. Um, and for him to kind of step into that leadership role as a 26-year-old on Team USA. Um, again, this is not the, you know, 32-year-old Jordan and Magic and Bird, you know, uh, on the tail end of their careers. Right. There's a lot yeah. of younger guys and, um, you know, not not many uh, old-school respected veterans on the squad. But, again, a lot of prideful, great players. Um, so it's great to see um, uh, Brunson kind of establish himself as that, that alpha in Team USA. Yeah, on the Brunson note, I mean – I'm really excited for what we're going to see with Jalen Brunson's upcoming season. I, I think perhaps somehow he may still be underrated, which is kind of crazy to think about. But, I mean, I'll be honest, coming into the USA, uh, I thought he should start. I thought he would be the starting point guard. But given some of the other high-end talent, some guys that people look at as future superstars in this league, I thought maybe we see Jalen Brunson maybe kind of take a back seat a little bit at least. Maybe he kind of – you know, runs a team, really doesn't look for a shot or really doesn't play all that aggressive. I mean, Jalen Brunson is the best player on Team USA. And I don't know if it's even really that close when I watch these games. I mean, he, he, he the way he orchestrates the team, the way he knows where everybody is. I mean, I think his passing has been great so far in this tournament and these uh, expression games as well. But then, again, the scoring efficiency, and it just looks like he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. It's almost like he's like, oh, okay, we need to get some buckets. All right, let me just rattle off three or four in a row here and get us, you know, back up to a 10-point lead. Oh, we need to get some guys with shots. Okay, let me get some guys open. I mean, the way he's able to control the floor and dominate the game right now is really impressive. And I, I think the Knicks should be excited because I think what you saw last season was not some fluke. I think that – I don't think any of us thought it was, but I think there was kind of this idea that, you know, Jalen Brunson is playing with guys who were, you know – top number one picks in draft like you know a guy like uh, uh anthony edwards he's playing with guys that were lottery picks guys that were again very highly regarded and, you know you have this guy second round pick underside you know you kind of wondered like you know how would he fare amongst some of the the most impressive athletes nba has to offer the fact that he's come in and he's like taking over the team and it's essentially his team and you have a multiple time nba championship coaching steve kerr pretty much identifying almost immediately that this is going to be jalen brunson's team I, I do think I don't want to understate Barrett. I will talk about Barrett as well. 
But I think the Brunson development and what has happened at Team USA, I think, is very, very good news for the New York Knicks. It's a great question. Is Jalen Brunson underrated or overrated at this point? I, I think you could probably make an argument both ways. What's kind yeah. of wild when you think about it, Brunson's never made an all-star team, let alone yeah. a, a, an all-NBA team. You know, you just assume, you know, he's kind of viewed as such as as a as one of the top 15, 20 best players in the NBA. And obviously among this group of guys where Edwards was an all-star, Halliburton was an all-star over Brunson, um, yeah. you know, plenty of other talented, you know, top-tier players. Um, but, you know, Brunson's kind of established himself. So, um, yeah, I, I do think he's a little bit underrated at this point. Again, as you mentioned, you know, still kind of, coming out of that shadow of a second round pick as a guy that, you know, wasn't really, you know, universally pursued on the free agent market, um, even though everyone basically assumed he was, you know, destined for New York. Um, but still, his, and again, his $100 million contract seems like an insane, um, you know, value, even, even more so now than we did, uh, than we thought so in, in the days to come. But um, yeah, I'll be interested to see. It's one of those things we can check out too. Like, what are the MVP odds on Brunson mm, coming into the I season? Know. Because if the Knicks somehow get a top two, three seed, you know, yeah. we're talking about the craziness in Philly, Boston now with Porzingis, you know, a seven foot three dude, we know about his his injury history. Um, he's going to miss FIBA because of plantar fasciitis, four to six weeks yeah. of recovery time. Um, you know, Milwaukee dealing with, uh, you know, uh, Giannis not playing in FIBA due to knee injury. He'll likely be fine, but we know about Middleton's injury history. Um, there's a potential there for the East to see a little bit of a shakeup. Um, and if somehow the Knicks can, uh, you know, not not go crazy and win 60 games or win 50 plus games and, you know, sneak into that second, third seed, um, there will be plenty of buzz about Brunson um, generating uh, some some MVP conversation stuff. So, um, yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see kind of how it plays out over the next uh, few weeks. And, you know, we still got another couple of weeks before the actual season, the actual FIBA yeah. tournament starts. So right. um, obviously, you know, we'll, uh, we'll I assume he'll continue to play well. He'll certainly get opportunities to play well. Um, but again, just another confidence building, um, you know, kind of mechanism for Brunson to uh, to kind of escalate his game and stature uh, around the league and around the world. It's, I'm so happy you mentioned the, the MVP odds because when I saw the numbers Brunson put up and I see the way he's played, I, I also wondered. I was like, throwing some ducats down on a Brunson MVP season. I don't. I think I probably would pay you a fortune if he somehow yeah. uh, wins it. I mean, I, I don't think that it's a, it's an completely insane bet because and we'll talk about Barrett right now. But like number one, I think the Knicks have a very good chance to start the season off really strong. And just and um, just in, just in, in reference to the Brunson thing, has there ever been an MVP a guy, let alone win MVP, but finish top three in MVP that was never an All Star prior All-Star, to the right. year? You know, I guess you know. I don't know. If it was Rose was probably a, a, an All Star the year before he won MVP? Yeah, yeah. He probably. I think he was an All Star. Yeah, I don't know. Probably if he, was. He, I might, he might not have been All NBA, but right, he right, right. Okay, point being, it's very, obviously very rare for a player yeah. to make a jump from non All Star to MVP, even consideration. I know, but I think with the way Brunson is playing, and a guy who appears to be getting better still, yeah, uh, I, I would, I would, I would throw again. I would throw a ducky down potentially. On that, and I think that I'm not saying he would win, but I think he'll be in that race maybe longer than people would expect. Like we'll maybe still be in February, being like, "Hey, he's still in the mix." Yep. You'll be looking at yourself saying, "Hey, I'm gonna get ten thousand dollars off of the Jalen Brunson bet that I put it in back in August for him to win the MVP." Uh, and the re- and the thing I was talking about as well with with the Knicks starting off well, Barrett also really impressive. I think you gotta love to see one the shot making and the efficiency. 
that's one of the biggest things we talked about with RJ Barrett, essentially for most of his career. And it's been the big bugaboo is can he continue to be effective while remaining efficient? And you have a game where you score 31 points on 14 shots. That's about as efficient as you can get. Um, I think his jump shot, it's funny. His jump shot looks a little, I think a little unorthodox, but it seems much smoother now. Um, I, I think he looks a lot more comfortable shooting the shot, even if it doesn't look like the, the prettiest. Um, th- these are swishes that are going through in terms of those uh, spot out threes. And his finishing around the basket, really, really solid. I mean, obviously three for 14, he's still perfect to finish around the basket. But it just seemed like he knew exactly where he needed to get to, the right English off the class. Is R.J. Barrett maybe in a position from what you've seen? Because he's pretty, pretty much played well during this entire international stretch as well. This 31-point game was the big explosion, but he's had he's been efficient the entire time. Uh, are you maybe looking to see R.J. Barrett potentially take a step up this year, given what you've seen so far? Um, we'll talk about Barrett in a second. Uh, I just looked it up on BetUS. Uh, yeah. Brunson's MVP odds, 65-1. to 1. Um, so, uh, obviously, uh, you know, pretty good odds there guys that are ahead of Brunson, just for comparison's mm-hmm. sake, Siakam 50 to one, all these guys are 50 to one wow. Siakam, Sabonis, Paul George, Julius Randle, Jamal Murray, Trey Young, James Harden, LOL, Brandon Ingram, Kyrie Irving. Um, and wow. then, you know, and then 40 to one, you got the Anthony Edwards, uh, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Zion Williamson, De'Aaron Fox, Donovan Mitchell, Dame Lillard. So, uh, shake that's, that's, that's a, that's, that's a ridiculous list to me. Yes. Some of those guys ahead of Brunson, like even Julius, I heard Julius Randall. I was like, what? Right. Like, right. and, and it's because to me, so much about MVP is, is narrative. So like, yes, the Knicks are a great team. Yes. Brunson is going to get the credit. That, that's what's going to happen. So, yeah, I was. I'm a little surprised. I mean, I'm not surprised at the number. I'm surprised that right. some of those guys, Brandon Ingram, that's some of the things I was like, what? Like, Same. Also, sixty-five to one. Larry Markkinen, Carl Anthony Towns. Um, so that's the that's where Brunson is. So I, I, I like the odds, obviously. Wow. Brunson. Uh, R.J. Barrett. Uh, yes, probably more important um, in terms of whether they play well over the next mm-hmm. three weeks in FIBA. You know, if Nick fans could choose one one guy to dominate and 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 have a break quote unquote breakout uh FIBA tournament um they most would certainly choose a Barrett um more important for his confidence um you know more important for you know kind of the carryover effect into the start of next season and if we're being honest probably more important for trade conversations um that OG on and Obi stuff is still floating around out there um again you know we'll see how that that kind of plays itself out but um you know maybe it's good for Tibbs to see RJ take a little bit more of a, a, a you know a role even though you know some folks on Twitter act like Barrett wasn't given an opportunity to score. Dude did take 16, you know, 15 shots a night. Um, but yes, uh, we saw most importantly is the efficiency we need to see from RJ was five of five from downtown. Um, again, not going to read too much into it. We've seen RJ get hot for weeks at a time and then go cold for weeks at a time thing. I want to see from RJ and, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the points he scored, um, I didn't watch the whole Canada game, just watch the highlights, um, was his driving left. And he's going to be able to do that against teams that have no, you know, the, this is not NBA scouting reports. Uh, these aren't, you know, these aren't the, the, the you know, game six of a, of a seven game series where the Heat have seen him right. drive left every time he gets the ball right. um, and, and attempt to slow him down or, or wall him off and prevent him, you know, force him right, et cetera. Um, so, but I did see a couple times where he drove into the lane and threw a hook pass to the corner for a three. That's the type of stuff that I'd love to see from RJ, kind of diversify his finishing portfolio. Obviously, increases field goal percentage around and at the rim, 
but also keep his head up, find open shooters, because he's going to have plenty of opportunities to do that next season. DiVincenzo on the floor. Um, uh, Jalen Brunson, obviously. Uh, you know, Quentin Grimes. Those are the type of shots that the Knicks should look to implement more frequently. And RJ can definitely be one of those guys that can increase his assist numbers um, by doing that, getting into the paint, getting a foot in the paint, in the dot, uh, and then try to kick it out for open threes. Totally agree on that front. The other thing I thought that stood out to me in the RJ Barrett performance, and like Germany had some small, smaller wings, but he looks huge. I mean, and it was something that actually – when like we talked about it earlier this summer, I was a little concerned with. I've been saying I think he needs to drop some pounds to move some quickness. But he was physically imposing going to the rim. I mean, there were times where there's a big man there, and almost like the guy wasn't there because he was able to just power through. And R.J. Barrett is not necessarily an above-the-rim athlete. That's not the way he plays the game. He had a little bit more of that explosion earlier in his career. Maybe he is kind of developing and kind of – molding more into a bully ball type of player this was an instance where the bully ball stuff was working extremely well and it looked like it would because he looked like he was a man among boys he's playing against other professional players i mean franz wagner's on the court mo wagner's on the court dennis Schroeder's is a point guard but he also was on the court and rj barrett looks like a man among boys so if that is something he can continue to translate into actually nba play when he is playing against other physical strong guys that's something to watch. I mean, he's still a guy who is growing, not growing in terms of height, but like he's he's maturing, he's developing, he's getting older. Maybe this is kind of the man body that we're kind of seeing RJ Parrott kind of grow into. Yeah, um, it's interesting to see whether, you know, he, he kind of, you know, how his kind of career kind of progresses going forward. Um, you know, whether he kind of views himself as a, you know, a slasher finisher or, he, you know, can prove that that three point shot. Um, yeah. it's, it's weird. We forget how young the kid is, you know, he just would be a year removed from Duke had he stayed, uh, had he not left there, yeah. you know? So, uh, you know, that's one of the things with Barrett and, and folks that uh, on Twitter that rightfully and, and Nick fans that rightfully defend, um, and, and refuse to con- even consider trading him is that we, we aren't sure of what his upside is. We have an idea. Um, you know, I think we're probably more in the camp where his top tier is like the third best player on a really good team, you know, somewhere along the lines, maybe the second best player, um, you know, maybe a, you know, a, a fourth best player on a really good team on a championship level team where he can score 25 points if needed, but can also uh, improve, you know, defensively, et cetera. So, uh, but again, we don't know exactly where that, uh, you know, where that ceiling, certainly he views himself as, as a far better, uh, you yeah. know, finisher score, et cetera. Um, and this is one of those opportunities where he's, you know, kind of, you know, not the man because SGA is obviously, um, you know, a, a phenomenal player himself is going to have the ball in his hands. And also he looks really good too. I, I saw oh, a couple yeah. I saw a couple highlights where he's, you know, working that in and out dribble and taking a step back three. If Gilders Alexander starts knocking down threes on a consistent basis, anywhere near like above, if he can shoot like 38% from three or, um, you know, with the way he can score in the paint and all floaters and stuff, I just don't know how you guard that guy. Um, but uh, yeah, so so for Barrett, he, you know, but there will be games like, you know, and, and obviously not only did he score 31 points in, in the victory Sunday, scored the game winning bucket with a game tying bucket to force the game into overtime. Right. five seconds left um, against Germany scored five more points in overtime so um, he was the man on the floor that night and those are the those are the type of things that when he has to share the floor with Randall and Brunson he's not going to have quite as many opportunities so we'll see if he takes advantage of that uh, in Europe this summer 
it's going to be important if he is going for our, the Knicks, whether it be Brunson, Randall, and also Tibbs to kind of maybe see Barrett can also be in that role as well. You don't got to relegate him always to being in the corner or being a third option. But um, it will be very important to watch, continue to watch what happens with Brunson, Barrett. Also, again, Josh Hart playing for Team USA. He's been playing mostly with their second unit in these uh, in, in his, his debut with the Team USA. And then, of course, you got Evan Fournay still playing with France. We got a couple of weeks, almost less than a week, now, less than two weeks now, well, to the start of the FIBA World Cup in the uh, in Asia, you know, Japan, Philippines, where that will be taking place this year. But, uh, again, let's go down to 95 because uh, there could be a meltdown in Philadelphia right around the corner. So Sixers All-Star guard James Harden blasted Daryl Morey during Adidas promotional tour in China, calling the Sixers president, quote, a liar. And saying that he will never be part of an organization that Daryl Morey is a part of. It came after the Sixers reportedly decided not to trade James Harden this season, despite the former MVP's uh, trade request this summer. The mess with Harden has all eyes on Joel Embiid. The Sixers center removed any mention of Philadelphia and Sixers references from his social media pages. And now ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski says Philly is concerned about how uh, the situation with Harden could impact Embiid um, and his future. He said, quote, this is certainly a situation for Philadelphia that they don't want to domino into Joel Embiid's future. The clock is always ticking on what it means for your best player, and that clock is ticking now for the Sixers and Joel Embiid. So uh, very different than some of the words we're hearing after Joel Embiid's kind of damage control during that uh, post, the interview with Maverick Carter, when he said, I want to win a championship in Philadelphia or anywhere else. Then he said, oh, I want to retire a sixer and all this stuff. Now you have uh, Wojnowski saying, quote, the clock is always ticking on what it means for your best player. And that clock is ticking now for the Sixers and Joel Embiid, all because of James Harden. So uh, do you think this James Harden situation could impact Embiid's future in Philadelphia? Yeah. I mean, listen, I think we have to – it is certainly a uh, an outcome where it doesn't, where, you know, somehow Harden and, uh, and, and Maury – Bury the, you know, the, the piece, at least for a year. Hard, again, there's a couple things here with the Harden situation. Um, it's wild to me that he called his boss a liar and then said, let me say it again. I'm, I'm <laughs> a you know, like, he said it twice, bro. He said, I'm yeah. never going to work for him. You know, like he just, there's, you know, like there's, there's subtle stuff like, you know, Joel Embiid kind of scrubbing his, the social media you know, he removed processing from for those that that, that hadn't heard. Um, he removed processing from his Twitter bio. He removed the city of Philadelphia from his location. So like that kind of, um, you know, a passive aggressive type of, uh, you know, behind the scenes, quiet stuff. And then you have going in front of a bunch of people and saying, this man is a liar. I'll never work for him again. I don't I don't know how to <laughs> come back from that. Um, this is the NBA. So we've seen crazier things happen. Um but a couple things to note on that end. There is a little-known clause in the CBA um, that specifically impacts players that are year removed from free agency, of which Harden is obviously a member because he opted into the final year of his contract. Yes. If he does, if he does not report to his team, uh, the CBA clause uh, refers to it as withholding his services. So if he does not show up for camp, if he does not show up for preseason games, does not show up for the regular season for a 30-day span, he is not eligible to become a free agent. The Sixers hold on to his rights uh, for another full NBA season, um, which would obviously prevent Harden from, who doesn't have many years left of the back right. end of his 
crime, uh, from from signing with another team, uh, for getting traded. You know, so there are all these. It, it may seem like oh, Harden's going to you know play the hard guy. We we heard, we saw Ramona Shelbourne on ESPN say the other day that this is just the beginning. He's yeah. going to make it really uncomfortable. Uh, you know, I I don't, I don't know how else what how much worse he can get um, <laughs> other than you know insulting Rocky and and uh, and cheesesteaks in Philadelphia. Um, you know, so yeah, it, show, it, show show up to the game in a Dallas Cowboy jersey. Right, sure, that'll, right. that'll go over very well. Right, right. A Des Bryant or Dak Prescott jersey or something like that. Um, I, I just you know I, I don't know how much worse he can make things, but um, listen, from a Knicks perspective, we're obviously keeping an eye on the Embiid possibility. And um, it, it, it can only, you would think, can only decrease the, de- decrease the chances of Joel Embiid retiring a Sixer or staying a Sixer. Um, again, Maury and the, and, and the Sixers front office viewpoint, I'm sure, is let's just get through this season. Let's get through this year. We were really close to, you know, we were, you know, uh, a, a, a terrible game six away from advancing to the NBA finals, um, yeah. you know, so, uh, or, or at least uh, the East, East Conference, East Conference finals. Yeah. finals. Um, against a you know relatively beatable Heat team, so we're we're close. We were there, you know, a couple breaks fall our way. Um, you know, we can compete, and then next season, Harris comes off the book. Uh, PJ Tucker's contract comes off the books. Obviously, Harden's contract will come off the books. We rebuild around Maxi and Embiid, sign another max level free agent, bring another stud in. You know, whoever Embiid wants to play with, etc. So let's just get through this year. Question is, does Embiid want to waste a year? Dealing with right. this circus, this nonsense. Um, so that's the thing. From and, and I'll admit, EJ, today was the first day. Like I, I you know, I kind of was looking at it, and I saw like some stupid trade on one of those dumb aggregator mm-hmm. t- Twitter handles. Was like, you know, Grimes and IQ and RJ yeah. and four first round picks for Embiid. Do you do it? You know, like I mean, you know, like I've we've both said it's going to take like more than you would think. It's going to cost them right. the, the entire farm. But you have to. You can't four starters and four first round. You know, you have to draw the line somewhere. And it just <laughs> and it was the first time I started thinking like, man, I. I'd love Embiid. You got to do it, but like, what if he gets hurt? There's an injury history. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm cool with trading the picks, but do I want to trade all the young guys as well? Um, so there, there's, but so that that's just kind of where my head was at, and just to, in a roundabout way to answer your question, like I think we have to start looking, you know, keeping an eye out for the eventual uh, Shams tweet, Woj tweet, where Joel Embiid has, uh, you know, has has approached Sixers management. And requested a deal. Is it likely to happen? Yeah. No. Um, but listen, is it more than ten percent? More than twenty percent at, at this stage of the game? Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, this Philly situation is very fascinating, and the Knicks and Knicks fans have to pay attention. I mean, yeah. we have to because everything we're being told is that Joel Embiid um, is keeping an eye on New York, and it's something that. He's thought about and that he's been linked to this team over and over again because of his connections to Leon Rose. And I think that for Philadelphia and Josh Harris, it's time for him to be a real NBA owner. And it's very easy to just, you know, take pictures with Meek Mill and take pictures with Allen Iverson and just, you know, kind of be all about being Mr. Philly. But this is where ownership really has to step in and essentially save the franchise. I think the Sixers, are looking down the barrels of of an absolute disaster, like a a complete disaster. And it's going to be up to real leadership. I'll be honest, I don't think they're getting it from Daryl Morey right now. It's going to take real leadership to find a way to figure out this mess. And maybe that means moving on from Daryl Morey at this point. 
Because if you have a situation where players don't trust the front office and James Harden say whatever you want about him is, it seems to be liked by his teammates. I mean, you know, PJ Tucker, of course, the guy who came over because James Harden took a bunch of money less uh, said, look, I'm riding with my dog. Like he said, I'm not, I don't switch sides. So I don't know how much longer he has in Philadelphia considering he's coming out saying that I'm supporting the guy who said that my boss is a liar and that he's not <laughs> going to play for us again. Uh, and then you got the Joel and B passer aggressors. I mean, he's the, he's the franchise player. Like Daryl Morey, and I, I thought it was, I thought the hubris of even his stance last week that, and of course, this wasn't, you know, statements on the record, it was sources, whatever, but that, oh, you know, we're going to just bring James back and, 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 and convince him that, you know, we, we're a championship caliber team. I, I thought that that was ridiculous. Like, I think, like, you're dealing with a person who is completely unwilling to, or rather, rather willing to get as messy. And as uh and as 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 just gross and as combative as possible to get his way. We've seen this now multiple times in his career. The thought that he could tell him, okay, we're gonna try to trade you, and that's beyond whatever behind the scenes deal he may have already promised him last year when he accepted the less money to get PJ Tucker in. That you think that you could tell him, okay, we'll trade you. And then say, oh, you know what? Never mind. I didn't get the value I wanted. So therefore, I'm going to keep you here and you're going to play with us. And think that that was going to go smoothly. It was a, a terrible mistake. And I think it, it speaks to Darren Morey's mindset as a front office member. I think he made the same mistake with the Ben Simmons thing. I mean, but he was so hell-bent on getting a superstar, quote-unquote, and getting a guy who was going to make the Sixers better, which is apparently what he's saying now with James Harden, that I'm not going to trade him unless I get a better player. What the hell does that even mean? He passed up on the possibility of having a Darren Fox. He passed up on the opportunity of having a Tyrese Halliburton. Like, he couldn't see the forest through the trees of just trying to build this, you know, this this analytic darling, superstar-driven team that he actually – Missed the boat on building a better Sixers team, a team that actually had would have had a better chance of going to the, to the playoffs, going uh, deep into the postseason, because he was so bent on getting the quote unquote star player, the better player than Ben Simmons. He's going to try to do the same thing with Harden, but there's a difference. Harden is 34 years old. Harden is a guy that's coming off all these injuries. He is not in the same boat as Ben Simmons. Crazy as that sounds, a guy who was a young player who was, we thought was ascending. Like this is a whole different situation. So. The idea that this is their mindset, they're saying, oh, well, we're not going to do anything and we're going to just sit and wait this thing out. Like, Josh Harris has to do something. Like, if he thinks he can sit here and just let this thing fall apart, that's what it's going to happen. It's going to completely crumble. And eventually, we're going to see that that Woj, that Shams uh, tweet, Joel Embiid has requested a trade. He's His preference is to go to the New York Knicks. Like, I, I think that that is 100% the reality of Josh Harris to step in immediately and start showing some leadership. I can't disagree with you because um, there needs to be an adult in the room right now. And, and as somebody said, like the Sixers approach of, of getting into a, I don't give a F contest with James Harden is a dangerous game to play because yeah. we, we have seen him win that game over and over again. He does not. He's never lost. He's like, he's, he's, he's Lamar ball. He's undefeated and never lost. He's won every single one. OKC. He's, he's won in uh, Houston, one in Brooklyn. You think he's going to lose this one? He's not. 
and he and and and, that, and especially the way that, that the game is played in the, in the NBA and, the, and player empowerment, etc. Um, it is a a nasty situation, and I don't see it getting any better without someone like you said stepping in and saying, "Okay, here's the here's the outcomes." You know, James, you're not going to waste a year. You're not going to sit out an entire year and then have to beg us to trade you again or try to force us to right. trade you again yeah. um, 12 months from now. That doesn't work for you. Daryl, um, you know, listen, I understand, you know, you've dug in and you've, you've made the statements you made, but is it the best outcome scenario? The issue, of course, now is that the Clippers, if they were willing to give up 30 cents in the dollar, uh, you know, three days ago, right. they'll give up seven cents in the dollar, you know, right. because, you know, so, but maybe. But, uh, and that's why this, that's why this strategy was so stupid by Daryl Morey. Because it, 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 you you continue to kneecap your leverage by being so forceful and 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 not being open to potentially making a move here, because James Harden is going to force you to make a move, and then once you have to make that move, you're not going to get anything that you want. And if it becomes a situation where you get him, you give him away for essentially nothing. That's when Joel Embiid says, "All right, yes. what's going on here?" You know, like if you were at the opportunity, we'd say, "You know what? We'll just take man and a pick." And right. we'll try to just figure this thing out. Maybe we'll make another another trade with man to get another guy who's a, a kind of a close to a star player. And we'll try to like you, you, this doesn't look like you have a plan. It doesn't look like it looks like you're just saying I'm in a fight and I'm gonna uh, fight till I win or die. That that seems that seems to be kind of the strategy. And if you're running a multi billion dollar organization, it's an extremely foolish way to run your business. A hundred percent. And uh, you know, again. These teams that that take the that take these chances on guys like Harden and Kyrie Irving, we see it again and again, enticed by the talent, but don't realize. Like, look at the guy's track record. How has this worked out? So, if you want to get rid of Ben Simmons for Harden, I guess you know. It's what's amazing yeah. is Ben Simmons is probably the worst contract in the league. Um, you know, making eighty million dollars, I think, over the next two seasons. Um, the only thing that would make this worse for Philly is if Embiid actually shows up in camp in shape and starts playing at a decent level and contributes to the the Nets. Then the Sixers fans, oh yeah, Simmons, yeah, like a riot, you know. Yes, yeah, that would be that would be the ultimate ultimate nightmare. So, yes. well, we'll see how this whole situation plays out. I think the Knicks are paying close attention. Um, I don't think this is going to end up well because I don't think that we've seen that kind of leadership from Josh Harris to make the difficult decisions and do to really sit down everybody and be the adult in the room. I think that's been an ownership that's been very cosmetic, quite frankly, in how they've kind of presented the organization and they've had star coaches, star players. Again, they brought, they kind of embraced the Philadelphia celebrities, all that. And still the result has always been the same second round exit. And, and the fact that there hasn't really been that real leadership, uh, I, I think it's been a major problem. I think it's why this is going to continue to be a mess. So we'll continue to follow that story. Uh, I'm sure Dame Lillard is probably wonderfully pleased that this has happened because it's kind of taken a lot of heat off of him. No pun intended. He actually wants heat on him, you know, literally. But <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we'll continue to follow that story as it continues. So the full NBA schedule will be out on Thursday, but we got a little taste of what will be in store for the Knicks this season. So on Tuesday, the schedule. Uh, was unveiled for the Knicks in-season tournament group play slate. So they'll begin on the road Friday uh, with games on Friday, November 3rd against the Bucks, and then November 17th, two weeks later on Friday against the Wizards. Then they'll wrap up group play the following week with a Friday home game against the Heat on November 24th, and then a Tuesday game versus Charlotte on November 28th, and that would wrap up 
the in-season group play stage. Remember, the team that finishes with the best record in group play will advance to the knockout stage quarterfinal games. Um, there is also a chance that you can become a wild card team if you have the best record among the non-group play winners of the of the conferences. There are three groups in these conferences. There will be four teams in each uh, conference who advance. There will be one wild card. So the Knicks have a chance if they don't win the group, they could still advance to the knockout stage. Also, Knicks will be featured on Christmas Day again this season. Knicks will be hosting the Bucks. It appears that will be a noon slate, though. Shams Rainier had gotten some times wrong last year, so we'll see if these times are accurate. These are the times he listed, or at least the, the teams he listed in the same row or in, in consecutive order regarding uh, the, the games that will be featured on Christmas Day. So he had Knicks hosting the Bucks first. Then you had Sixers at Heat, Celtics at Lakers, Mavericks at Suns, and then Warriors at Nuggets. This will be the third straight year the Knicks will be playing on Christmas Day. Knicks historically have been a staple on Christmas Day. So first on the in-season tournament, thoughts on how the group play scheduling came out and how it, how they set it up here. Yeah, seems cool. Like I said, I got to familiarize myself with it. I think we'll all have to go through it for a year and kind of see, do the players take it seriously? Do the coaches take it right. seriously? Do they not sit guys out to make sure they're healthy and ready for the, you know, the following game, et cetera. The, um, you know, just the, uh, you know, for instance, the WNBA Champions Cup um, final yeah. was played yesterday. Shout out to Liberty. Um, who shockingly dominated the Aces for the second straight game. Um, I, I got to admit, I was surprised by that, um, you know, as well as Stewie and Sabrina and those girls and Sloot have been playing. Um, John Cole Jones has been absolutely amazing. She's really, uh, like, she was, turned their season around, yeah. Yeah, no, she was the MVP of the Commissioner's Cup. Yeah, yeah. But it didn't seem like I, – I'm not too yeah, – I don't have too many WNBA, you know, Twitter follows and friends and et cetera. So I don't know how much energy or excitement there was kind of invested in that. Um, obviously the players took it seriously. They, you know, celebrated with champagne, et cetera. But then, yeah. th then the Liberty and Aces are playing again, I think tomorrow night, right? Thursday night. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They play it's, again. it's weird. Like, you know, it's a big game, but it's not all that important in the grand scheme of things. Um, so I think it's kind of a fun little diversion. Give us something to talk about, give us something to, uh, you know, maybe amp up the pressure a little bit and kind of give us a taste of kind of a preseason you know, maybe that'll be good for Randall. Uh, should the Knicks make a little run and, and you know, play some, you know, uh, uh, in-season tournament finals games yeah. in, in, in Las Vegas in December, you can kind of show like, hey, like, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm ready for the big stage or, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of how this plays out. But um, I don't I don't really know how to, uh, uh, you know, comment on it until I kind of get a feel for it once we get into the, the, the midst of the regular season. Yeah, I thought. Again, I've been a proponent of the in-season tournament. I remain a tournament uh, proponent of the in-season tournament. I thought the group play stage should have been a lot closer together. I know the NBA, I guess, wanted to make it clear that Tuesdays and Fridays are when these games will be played. So everybody kind of knows Tuesdays and Fridays. I think it would have been better off just like how the World Cup goes, where it's just like this block of the NBA season is the in-season tournament. So I think it should have just been November 3rd, okay, your first game. And then you just that for the next two weeks, you're doing the group play part of the season. And I thought that would have made a little more sense because it's going to be kind of, I think, hard for some people to kind of maybe, you know, have a group play game and then kind of go play three or four more different games that aren't group play. And then two weeks later, OK, we're back to in-season tournament again. Like, it's a little weird. I, I don't know if I would have done it that way. Uh, as far as the Knicks slate goes, 
Again, I think the earlier you get the Bucs, the better, because they'll be less engaged. So the fact that they're playing them the first game, number third, maybe there's a better chance, you know, Giannis is coming back from an injury. Uh, maybe there's a better chance that they have a chance to uh, to, 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 to get a Bucs team, maybe not necessarily playing all their best players, or even if they are, maybe not going necessarily 100% in those games. But still excited about it. I want to see how it plays out. Uh, I... I I really think the Knicks are going to find their way into that knockout stage. I don't know why. I don't know if it means they win this group because it's not an easy group. And again, you got the Heat and the Bucks in there. But I just, I just have a feeling that with the way that things go with the Knicks, that it's going to be kind of become an internet meme and a thing where it's like, oh, the Knicks have a chance to put up a banner, and it's going to be the conversation of how the Knicks fans are reacting to the in-season tournament play, and it's going to be, you know, because Knicks fans they rally around their team and their fan base, like, and no one else is going to be Knicks fans versus everybody else. And uh, I, I just see it. I, I, I see it. I see it as clear as day. And um, I guess it will be interesting to see how that all plays out. what did you think of how the Christmas slate played out? So you got Knicks and Bucks to start that slate. Knicks playing again on Christmas day. Then you got those other games again, Sixers at heat, Celtics at Lakers, Mavericks at Suns, Warriors at Nuggets. Maybe, as I said on my WFAN show on Saturday, maybe I'm being a little, uh, you know, Homer EJ. Maybe I'm being a little orange and blue blood EJ here. I kind of think Knicks and Bucks could have got a better time than noon. The Knicks have kind of been that noon game because they've, quite frankly, most of the time been the worst team playing on Christmas Day, so no beef with that. But, I mean, I don't know. Sixers, Heat, is that really, really bringing people to the, to, to the, to the, to the, you know, their, their TVs in the afternoon over Christmas when NFL games are happening at that point. Remember, there are going to be three games on Christmas Day this year. We don't know. Who knows what the hell's happening with James Harden? We don't actually know if Dame Lillard is going to be a Miami Heat member yet. It's probably likely, but we don't know. I thought that game was kind of a dud in the in this in this slate. I, I like a lot of the other games for the most part, but I, I thought, man, Giannis Antetokounmpo coming to Madison Square Garden for a Christmas Day game against a Knicks team that was really good last season. That seems like a really great in the national TV kind of spotlight. I was surprised that they put him on at noon. Listen, selfishly, I don't like the noon starts. We do Christmas Eve at my at, on our oh. side, you know. So, and then on the uh, uh, Christmas Day, we go up to my in-laws in Connecticut. We usually leave her around one o'clock. So, I'm not a big fan of the. Uh, I, I listen to the radio though. Shout out to the uh, the the. Uh, uh, the uh, Knicks radio guys, but um, yes. yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, in years past, the Knicks had been the noon game just because you want the New York market. And it's just kind of a tradition that it's right. garden Christmas day, et cetera. Even when the Knicks were terrible, um, a few years they weren't, but if the Knicks were had any type of respectability, um, you'd throw them in there um, and kind yeah. of almost a get out of the way game early in the day when people are, you know, uh, throwing away their, you know, playing with their presents and then cleaning yeah. up after the kids, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I agree. I would have. I think the Knicks, a good Knicks team, you know, generating a lot of buzz and excitement going into the season against the Bucks should have been the three thirty, five thirty game. Obviously, you know, the West Coast games are going to get, you know, uh, you know, they can't start at noon, um, right? So, you know, but uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I would have preferred that uh, that the, the, the Knicks were a little bit later. I think they probably deserved the later slate. And then also. I think you make a good point about the traditional aspect as well, because again, that's something that people know. So that's another reason why the Knicks could have been later. But also, how how the Nuggets potentially playing at ten thirty, like that yeah. to me that's is true. highly disrespectful. I mean, this is 
the defending NBA champions. We had all this talk about how oh yep. the Nuggets aren't that real and oh they're boring and they dominated the NBA playoffs and they get now you're getting the Golden State Warriors, a a preeminent NBA franchise. If I'm the Warriors, I'm also livid. I'm like, yes. what the hell? I have Steph Curry and Draymond Green, and we're four or five time champions, and we gotta play at 10:30 on Christmas Day. What the hell on the road? Like they also got it. Like, both of those teams should be livid, I think, to have them pushed all the way back while you got a team like the Mavericks did not make the playoffs last year. Like, I, okay, I understand Kyrie Irving is a talented player. We know Luka Doncic is one of the best players in the world. And the Suns, you got Booker, you got uh, KD, and now you got Bradley Beal. And there's the, you know, whole Chris, not Chris Paul thing. There's a whole, uh, you know, KD and Kyrie. I know there's some stuff there. That that stuff could have been settled at 1030, in my opinion. Like, okay. I don't know how for the, you're the NBA champions and you're a mountain time team. So it's not like you're yes. a team where you're a Pacific time team. You're a right. mountain time team. You're being told you got to play the latest game. It's at home, but you got to play the latest game. Like, that to me was absolutely ridiculous, and I don't understand it. And I'm mad as an NBA fan because I, I want to see Warriors Nuggets at 5 o'clock, at yes. 8 o'clock. I don't want to have to stay up after being up all day to finally have to say, okay, Best game of the night. I got to wait till 1030 to watch. That That to me was was absurd. Good point. It'll be interesting when the NBA releases its schedule tomorrow, um, how many national TV dates that the Nuggets have, because obviously they're a great team with the best player yeah. on the planet. Um, and then ratings were good for the finals, you know. Um, so uh, it'll be exactly. that, that's one thing we can keep an eye on and, and talk about on Friday. Yeah. Overall, I was a little underwhelmed by the slate. I felt like there were teams that were left off that I think maybe – don't have the biggest markets, but are really exciting and rated well during the playoffs. Like I would have loved to see the Sacramento Kings play the Warriors on Christmas day. Like that was a great uh, first round matchup and they have a really exciting team. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers actually would have been a nice matchup as well for the Knicks. Maybe uh, as an, if you're going to do a noon slate kind of game, like, I think the, if you're going to play the box, they shouldn't have been a noon. If you're going to do a noon slate game, I think that like Knicks Cavs would have been a great way to start the day uh, to see somebody like, I think sometimes the NBA is kind of, you know, they kind of, they can't get off the, you know, KD, Steph, LeBron, narcotic. It's like, right. We know those guys are great, but like, okay, do I have to see all of them on Christmas Day? Like, I, I don't know. I think they could have spread the wealth a little bit. Obviously, John Morant, his situation, Zion, and his situation makes it very difficult to put those guys on. And maybe that's part of the reason why we're getting so many of the old heads on Christmas. But that was probably the only thing for me. I was like, I think they could have diversified this slate a little bit with some, uh, some smaller market teams that have some really exciting players. That uh that went on some really great runs and rated well during uh during the playoff run. True, true. Um, you know, but uh, hopefully the Knicks are playing well enough that that will still that's be true. legitimate beef uh, in late December. That is that is true as well. Uh, but I think that's a good place to leave it. So I want to thank you guys so much for listening in to this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast and Odyssey WFN original. It's a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Be sure to hit the auto download feature on your streaming service. Get these episodes every time you drop. We drop twice a week. And of course, again, we have the NBA schedule reveal coming out this week. So we'll have the full schedule to talk about uh, later this week. So that should be a lot of fun. And of course, you can catch us as well well on YouTube. You can find us on the uh, WFAN page where we post a full podcast and uh, segments from the podcast. So listening to us is not enough. You can watch our beautiful faces on your TV, your computer, your phone, your tablet, whatever you're doing on YouTube. Tommy, let people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on 
find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you guys again so much for checking us out. Tommy, I'm EJ. Hit these guys. Peace.